It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It's the amazing Rico Bronia podcast with your host, Evan Roberts. Hey, the Mets made a trade. Are we excited, ladies and gentlemen, as we all wait on the big decision from Yoshinabu Yamamoto? David Stearns made, I would say, his first rather significant trade as team president of the New York Mets. He acquired an old friend, Adrian Hauser. Adrian Hauser is the kind of guy that you had on your fantasy team at some point because you probably streamed him for a game or a week. So that's probably how you're familiar with him, besides maybe just remembering him with the Brewers. But the Mets acquire Adrian Hauser and Tyrone Taylor in exchange for Calman, Coleman Crow who they got for Eduardo Escobar. So if you really want to simplify this whole thing, the New York Mets traded Eduardo Escobar and got back amongst another piece, Adrian Hauser and Tyrone Taylor. And I think when you view it that way, it's a no-brainer. It doesn't mean this is the kind of trade that is Gary Carter circa 1985 or Yoenis Cespedes circa 2015, but the Mets got better. The Mets got a little bit better. Let me phrase it that way. They added depth to this rotation. God knows they need that. Adding an outfielder in Tyrone Taylor, considering they don't have a lot of outfielders in their 40-man roster. Again, it's a small positive. It's a small gain. It's not the ultimate gain. It's not turning the Mets into a championship contender. But they needed starting pitching. And Adrian Hauser fits that back of the rotation, maybe a sixth starter, especially if they do win on this Yamamoto Derby. They acquired a suitable arm and an arm that's better than their current options. And sometimes that's the way you have to look at things. Is Adrian Hauser, ask yourself this, is Adrian Hauser a better option as a swing, right-handed starter, maybe come out of the bullpen, than Tyler McGill? And the answer is probably yes. Is he a better swing option than Jose Budo? The answer is probably yes. I say probably only because... McGill and Budo are still young enough where we don't know what the end game is for them, but we have an idea of who Adrian Hauser is. He's not going to strike a lot of guys out. He's a ground ball pitcher. He's got pretty good control. And if you look at him over the last three seasons, I think he's kind of showed you what he is. He can make 25 starts in a season. He'll pitch to a maybe a mid four ERA, maybe a low four ERA. You look at his numbers from a year ago with Milwaukee, made 21 starts through 111 innings, had a 4-1-2 ERA. Those are suitable numbers for the back of the rotation kind of guy. I use this analogy 
on the air today or yesterday or the day before, depending on when you're listening to this edition of Rico Bronia, with Tiki Barber when the Hauser trade went down. Because I think he said, oh, do you like it? It's like you're watching a painting. Bob Ross. Remember Bob Ross? We would do all the painting stuff. There's a tree. There's a little tree. Happy, happy little trees. Happy, happy little, little trees. Happy little tree over here. Happy little tree over here. <laughs> you don't know what the painting looks like till it's done. You don't. Like, does that tree look real? I don't know. I got to see what the whole painting looks like. So do I like the acquisition of Adrian Hauser? If he's the sixth guy in the rotation, yeah. But we don't know what the rest of the rotation looks like. There is still a major hole in the middle or front end of it. And so do I like the trade? Well, yeah. What's not to like about the trade? I mean, they dealt the guy in Coleman Crow who had Tommy John surgery. We don't know anything about him, for being honest. They got him for Eduardo Escobar. Think about that. Eduardo Escobar, who had no value last year, this is one of the pitchers they got for him. So they traded a guy who was not a top 20 prospect. Maybe he was on the outskirts of it. And you got back two major league baseball players that can help you. So when you think about it that way, there's nothing to complain about other than, hey, I want someone better. Well, if you want someone better, hopefully we get that someone better, but you're not getting that someone better for Coleman Crow. <laughs> the fact that you got a major league baseball player and a guy that adds depth to this rotation, it's not a bad trade. It's just one of those trades that I think Pete will better evaluate when we see what the rest of this rotation looks like. They got better with this trade, but I think for most Met fans, it's okay, you got better. You're not better enough yet. Right, again, uh, you know, especially that you're you're making a trade with the Brewers. We're thinking about Corbin Burns. We're thinking about maybe some other pieces. It's nice to break bread with them, but those weren't the pieces we were looking for, uh, you know, in, in Adrian Hauser. Listen, is it going to be something significant this year? I don't think so at all. But in the grand scheme of things, like you said, it's like it's a puzzle piece right now. I have to give the benefit of the doubt to David Stearns that he's building a like clearly he sees the mistakes of the past and is trying to fix them as best he can. And he's more worried about that than landing this big fish or whatever it's going to be. To well, I think I think I, I, I got to be honest real quick. I think David Stearns sees. It's Yamamoto. If it's not Yamamoto, everyone's basically the same. So we can go from there. Hey, I, I think I warned you and everybody about that at the beginning of this offseason that I, I put Otani in that too. And I, obviously I was wrong. Or maybe I was right and the Mets just never truly had a shot at him. That they would go ha- <clears throat> excuse me, they would go hard after Otani. They'd go hard after Yamamoto. And if they don't get those guys, we're in for an offseason that maybe would disappoint most that I don't think they're just going to turn around and throw money at somebody else because Yamamoto and or Otani didn't take that money. So I do kind of agree with you that in terms of star power, in terms of impactful guys, they're clearly going hard for Yamamoto. And we're not going to spend the whole podcast talking about him. I think we kind of know where things stand. The Mets are going to make a big offer. Teams are all making big offers. And we're going to find out relatively soon if he's going to come here or not. I don't have confidence. I've been very honest about that, whether it's on the air, on the fan, or it's here on the Rico, and it's not a Roberts-itis thing or being a negative thing. It's just, I don't know. I just don't think he's picking us for whatever reason. 
because we're the Mets. I don't know. I don't have a lot of confidence. I'd love to be wrong. I think it would be a great acquisition and worth the risk, despite the amount of money it's going to take. But I think you're right in that that's the star they're going after. That's the big fish they're going after. And what I would want to see them do, besides just signing Yamamoto, is can you get better for 2024? Can you compete in 2024 without hurting yourself in the future? And that's why I've been dead set against trading prospects, against trading significant prospects for rentals. That's why I was never interested in Juan Soto. And while, unless the package is different, I wouldn't be interested in Corbin Burns or Shane Bieber. I mentioned a scenario that was laid out by an emailer about a month ago that would I take Burns back if it meant taking Yelich's contract and not giving up big prospects? Of course. Use money as a weapon, don't use prospects. A trade like this accomplishes the goal of what I stated, which is, the Mets got better in 2024. Now, you could argue they didn't get better enough. That's not my point. They got better for 2024. They added a major league pitcher to their roster. They added a major league fifth outfielder to their roster. And they did it by giving up a guy that's a non-prospect. By giving up a guy that, yeah, I guess three years from now will regret. But as of right now, is not a highly rated prospect. It's not a guy that's going to make a big impact on that would not make an impact on the Mets in 2024, probably not in 2025. So they accomplished what I want if they're not getting a Yamamoto or in addition to acquiring Yamamoto, get better without hindering yourself in the future. And this trade accomplishes that. They got better in the short term. They picked up a little bit of money in the short term, but they did not hinder themselves for the future. And by the way, spoiler alert, that's overall what I'd want them to do in this offseason. That's why signing Justin Turner or J.D. Martinez on one-year deals appeal a hell of a lot more to me than going multi-year for Matt Chapman or Cody Ballinger. Those moves to me would be stupid. I'm not into moves like that. And when it comes to starting pitching, and so far they've added two legitimate starting pitchers, though they're not, you know, aces, and they're certainly not sure things in Luis Severino and Adrian Hauser, they added both guys without A, locking themselves up long-term to bad contracts, and B, giving up prospects. So from that standpoint, I'm good with it. Doesn't mean I'm having a party at my house about it. Doesn't mean I'm printing World Series tickets for it. But quality moves. As far as Tyrone Taylor is concerned, the Mets needed to add like a major league outfielder to their 40-man roster. This is something we've touched on a few times on the Rico. They have Brandon Nimmo. They have DJ Stewart. They have Starling Marte. They don't have much else when it comes to outfield depth. In fact, the two other outfielders on their 40-man roster until they made this deal were Cooper Hummel, who they recently picked up, another on-the-margins move, and Alex Romero is a big prospect that's not going to be here. So they needed to add a major league outfielder. Is Tyrone Taylor enough? Absolutely not. Tyrone Taylor is a fine fifth outfielder or fourth outfielder. This is where I find defensive metrics to be helpful because what am I going to say to you about Tyrone Taylor's defense without having defensive metrics? I couldn't tell you. I watch baseball a lot. I may have even watched, you know, nine Brewer games last year. That is certainly not going to be enough to tell you if Tyrone Taylor is good defensively. So this is where you got to trust defensive metrics. And the defensive metrics tell you he's an above average defensive center fielder and left fielder and right fielder. He has speed. 
So can he be a weapon coming off the bench, even though he's never been a big stolen base guy? Maybe. Stole nine bases last year. He only played half a season. But he does have speed. Uh, He's got a little bit of pop. A little bit of pop. Because he did hit 17 home runs in 2022. But he's not much of a hitter. So here's what you got. Right-handed hitting outfielder. Can play all three outfield positions. Has good speed. Plays pretty good defense. Has a little bit of pop. You know what that is? That's a fourth outfielder. That's what that is. Do they need an everyday left fielder or an everyday second baseman so that Jeff McNeil could play left field? Yes. I think the Mets need two bats. That's my conclusion. They need a DH or a third baseman. And the reason I say or is because if you add a third baseman, Justin Turner, Brett Beatty can definitely be a part of the DH mix. And I am willing to give Beatty that runway to where he's going to get 500 at-bats. But you do need an outfielder. Or, like I said, a second baseman that pushes McNeil to the outfield. Because right now, with what you have on this roster, without hitting another bat, what's your everyday position player lineup look like? (laughs) You're, You're really stretching. You're basically playing, I don't even know, Brett Beatty at third base. You're playing, what, who's your DH? A platoon of Mark Vientos and DJ Stewart. And who's your left fielder? It's not DJ Stewart if he's DHing. So they need two bats. How you want those bats to be, I'd probably say a left fielder and Justin Turner, because I think Turner can also fill that DH role. But I still think they're looking to add two bats. But Tyrone Taylor is a fine fourth outfielder. What if I told you that Joey Wendell is probably going to see 140 games by playing utility and just playing around the field. Is that going to change your mind as far as do they need that? I'm not saying I, I want that to happen, but if that's the case, if that's maybe a plan of theirs, hey, they, we have a guy who's a super utility guy. He can play anything in the infield. Put him at second base if we need to. Put him at third base when we need to. Let's, I mean, there's a have- use to Joey Wendell, especially if he hits getting enough at-bats because you could play him anywhere. I don't like going into opening day with me penciling him in for 140 games. Like that, I wouldn't love. There are different ways you could add a bat. Like, let's say it's J.D. Martinez, who you were a fan of a year ago. It doesn't seem like you're as excited about J.D. Martinez now. Why? Because he's a year older? year older, injury issues towards the end of the season, and you just, again, it's like at some point in time we're, we're we're pushing our luck. Okay. I understand. I mean, J.D. Martinez is 36, so he's younger than Justin Turner by three years, which is kind of crazy. And while he did miss time last year, he's not really showing that he's slowing down when you look at his numbers. He had that mediocre season in 2022, and then he bounces back with one of the best seasons he's had in four years. So I don't I don't share the concerns with J.D. Martinez, but... I do think that if they go J.D. instead of Justin Turner, it's a different way to do it, but I don't have an issue with it because I think what that means is J.D.'s your D.H. and Beatty, yes, he's thrown into that mix at third base. While if Turner is signed, like Justin Turner and J.D. Martinez, to me, is too much. And I say that not because it's too much. I mean, both those guys are very productive players, but you kind of lose the avenue for Beatty to get consistent at-bats, assuming he could perform. And I get a lot of Mets fans are down on him, but I'm not giving up on him. And I want there to be that roadmap for him to play. 
if J.D. Martinez is the DH every day and Justin Turner is the third baseman every day, there ain't any roadmap for Brett Betty to play. So I think you almost have to choose between the two. And I guess the appeal of Turner is that he can play third base. While J.D. Martinez, I mean, are you sticking him in the outfield at this point? Like, do, do you actually throw him out there and stick him in the outfield? The answer is prob- probably not. Like last year with the L.A. Dodgers, he played three games in the outfield. As he hasn't done it a lot. The year before that with Boston, he played zero games in the outfield. <laughs> wow, okay. So he's basically proven to be a complete DH. While with Turner, he can DH, he can also play third base.